You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about a famous joke from Winston Churchill and about two spellings of the word discreet. Here's a famous grammar joke about Winston Churchill. You've probably heard it. This version is from a 1946 story in the Washington Post. A stuffy young foreign office secretary had the job of vetting the then prime minister's magnificent speeches. The young man disliked the prime minister's habit of ending sentences with prepositions and corrected such sentences whenever he found them. Finally, Mr. Churchill had had enough of this, so he recorrected his own speech and sent it back to the foreign office with a notation in red ink. This is the kind of pedantic nonsense up with which I will not put. According to Garson O'Toole on his website Quote Investigator, versions of this story go back at least to 1941, and Churchill only got added to the story in 1943. I'll put a link in the show notes at quickanddirtytips.com. But the story is still a good demonstration of how ridiculous your writing can end up sounding if you follow the rules you're given too rigidly. Of course, the idea that you shouldn't end a sentence with a preposition has always been a bad fit with the way English grammar actually works. We covered this topic in previous episodes, particularly episode 800. The fact is that English allows you a choice of what to do with a preposition when the noun phrase that would normally follow it is missing. For example, if you're asking about your upcoming vacation plans, you could ask either, what hotel are we staying in? with a preposition in at the end of the question, or in what hotel are we staying, with in moved to before the noun phrase, what hotel. The complication comes when we're dealing with more than one preposition. In the Churchill joke, he moves not just the with, but also the up, away from the end of the sentence. If he had moved just the with, he would have ended up with, this is the kind of pedantic nonsense with which I will not put up. That sentence is still somewhat awkward, but not laughably so in the way that up with which I will not put is. To understand why not, we need to take a closer look at phrasal verbs. Here's what we said about phrasal verbs in episode 608, written by Marsha Reefer Johnston. A phrasal verb, such as pour in, is a verb made up of multiple words. Each phrasal verb has a main verb, such as pour, and one or more small following words, such as in, that work together to convey a single idiomatic meaning. 
The phrasal verb pour in has the idiomatic meaning flow rapidly in a steady stream. People often describe phrasal verbs as including a main verb plus one or more prepositions. The problem is that thinking of a word as a preposition in cases where it's not behaving like a typical preposition can be confusing. If you want to avoid the confusion, you can call these words particles instead of prepositions when they're part of a verb. A phrasal verb creates meaning as a unit, even if the main verb is separated from its particle. For example, in the sentence, the student took the idea in, even though took and in aren't next to each other, the verb is took in, meaning absorbed. Okay, so far so good. We can think of a particle as a preposition that doesn't take an object. But if verbs take direct objects or prepositional phrases or particles, this means that in theory, there could be seven kinds of verbs that take one or two or all three of these kinds of items. Let's use the verb take as an example. It can take just a direct object, as in we took a vacation. The direct object is a vacation. It can take just a particle, as in take off, meaning to leave suddenly. Bye, I'm going to take off. The off doesn't take an object in this sentence, so it's a particle. It can take just a prepositional phrase, as in Ben takes after his father. In this sentence, after his father is a prepositional phrase. It can take a particle and a direct object, as in the example from episode 608. The student took the idea in. The direct object is the idea, and in is a particle. Notice how in this example, the direct object came between the verb take and the particle in. An interesting fact about phrasal verbs that take both a direct object and a particle is that you can also have them in the other order with the direct object after the particle. So in addition to saying the student took the idea in, we could also say the student took in the idea. This flexibility works only with very short noun phrases, such as the idea. Longer noun phrases have to come after the particle. For example, the student took in many new ideas. It sounds weird if you say the student took many new ideas in. Pronouns, on the other hand, have to come before the particle. For example, the student took it in. If you try to put the particle first, it just doesn't sound right. The student took in it. It's nonsense. For comparison, let's return to the example of take with just a prepositional phrase. Ben takes after his father. Now, let's suppose that instead of his father, we use the pronoun him. We know that after is a preposition here because the pronoun him has to come after it. That is, we can say Ben takes after him, but Ben takes him after is just wrong. Moving on, take can have both a direct object and a prepositional phrase, as in, I need to take you into my confidence. The direct object is you, and the prepositional phrase is into my confidence. For our sixth category, take can take both a particle and a prepositional phrase, as in, I can take over for you. In this example, over is a particle because it doesn't take an object, and the prepositional phrase is for you. This is where the phrasal verb put up with fits in. In a sentence like, I don't put up with pedantic nonsense, up is a particle, and with pedantic nonsense is a prepositional phrase. Finally, for our seventh category, take can require a particle, a direct object, and a prepositional phrase, as in, if you have a complaint, take it up with the manager. 
In this sentence, the direct object is it, and up is a particle. We know this because the it comes before the up instead of after it. And with the manager is a prepositional phrase. Now that we've highlighted the difference between prepositions and particles, how does that shed light on Churchill's pedantic nonsense punchline? It has to do with another difference between particles and prepositions, one that syntacticians called pied piping. This term is an allusion to the folk tale, the Pied Piper of Hamelin. The adjective pied, by the way, means colorful. It doesn't mean covered with pie, as I thought when I was a child. The Pied Piper was a colorfully dressed man who would rid villages of rats by playing music on a magical pipe, which enchanted the rats and caused them to follow the piper out of the village. The linguist John Robert Ross coined the term pied piping in his 1967 dissertation to refer to the way that English allows prepositions to be moved from the end of a sentence to before the verb, in sentences such as, in which hotel will we be staying? In Ross's analogy, the witch is like the pied piper, and the inn is like an enchanted rat following the witch all the way to its position at the beginning of the sentence. But unlike prepositions, particles don't pied pipe. To see this rule in action, let's go back to our example with take and a direct object and a particle. The student took the idea in. If we phrased it as a question, we could say, which idea did the student take in? If we described the idea with a relative clause, we could say the idea which the student took in. Both of those are fine. But if we try to pied pipe the in, we quickly run into trouble. In which idea did the student take? That doesn't make sense at all. And neither does the idea in which the student took. And now finally we come back to our Churchill punchline. This is the kind of pedantic nonsense up with which I will not put. It crashes because Churchill is brute forcibly pied piping the particle up. We get the same kind of effect with other phrasal verbs that take both a particle and a preposition. Let's try it with follow up on. Of course, you can find plenty of sentences containing phrases such as which we followed up on without any pied piping. I started my search by looking for examples such as on which we followed up with just the preposition on pied piping. They're pretty scarce. It didn't turn up anything in the BYU English corpora, and eventually I just did some ordinary internet searches, and I found a few examples, including a number of names of indicted co-conspirators emerged on which we followed up, and they volunteered some worthwhile local tourist tips on which we followed up. But when I searched for examples such as up on which we followed, with pied piping for both up and on, I found nothing anywhere, not in the BYU English corpora and not in ordinary internet searching. I got similar results when I tried the phrasal verbs get along with, crack down on, get away with, and look forward to. A few examples with a pied piping preposition, and no examples at all with the preposition and the particle both pied piped. If you want to see some of the examples I found, you can find them on the transcript of this episode at quickanddirtytips.com. Now, it's possible that examples like along with whom I didn't get do exist, and I just wasn't persistent enough in looking for them. But after failing to find them for five phrasal verbs in addition to put up with, it looks like the pattern is real. You just can't pied pipe a particle. They say you should never explain a joke, but if you've listened to our Make Me a Sandwich episode or the Dad Jokes episode, you know that we have no problem breaking that rule, which is more of a guideline anyway. 
In the case of the up with which I will not put joke, I find that the explanation replaces one kind of humor with another. I still laugh at the joke, but instead of an English is so wild kind of laugh, it's more of an I see what you did there kind of laugh. That segment was by Neil Whitman, PhD, an independent writer and consultant specializing in language and grammar, and a member of the Reynoldsburg, Ohio School Board. You can find him at literalminded.wordpress.com. English has a lot of homophones, words that sound the same but are spelled differently, and discrete and discrete are just such a troublesome pair. Discrete, spelled D-I-S-C-R-E-E-T, means tactful or cautious, as in, I want to talk to you about changing jobs to something in your department, but we need to be discreet. And discrete, spelled D-I-S-C-R-E-T-E, means separate, distinct, or unconnected, as in, we detected three discrete signals with the radio telescope. Now, a quick news surge will demonstrate how shockingly often people confuse the spellings of these words. Unfortunately, they have the same Latin origin, so that won't help us remember the difference. And according to Adam Online, the two spellings were used pretty much interchangeably until after the year 1600. So you could cop out and say you embrace a Renaissance method of spelling, but I don't recommend it. The way I remember the difference is to associate the D-I-S-C-R-E-T-E spelling, the one that means separate, distinct, or unconnected, with the Greek island of Crete, which is spelled the same way. And because it's an island, it is also separate, distinct, and unconnected. That helps me, and I hope it helps you too. Finally, I have a familect story from Tim. Hi, Grammar Girl. This is Tim calling from Detroit, Michigan. My familect is the term fun fruits, quote unquote. My mother in the 90s referred to fruit snacks, the gummy candy or treat that kids bring in their school lunches as fun fruits. And I think she did that because she bought a generic grocery store brand of fruit snacks that used the term fun fruits on the box. Well, ever since I've used that phrase, and I think my siblings have all used that phrase as well, and we get odd looks every time we use it and then probably have to explain that we mean fruit snacks. Thanks so much. I really enjoy your podcast. Thanks, Tim. If you want to call with your family word story, you can leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL, and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sams, and that's all. Thanks for listening. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. 
Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.